Welcome back to the Metal Exchange. Justin and Chris here with you for another week, another album, and this time we celebrate the 25th anniversary of Strapping Young Lad's second album, City, which came out on February 11th, 1997. But before we get there, Chris Bud, how are you? I think there's only one thing that I can say at this point in time, and it's that strapping young lad rocks my hairy anus. <laughs> uh, maybe the best ending to an album ever, but we'll get there. We, we, we'll get there. Um, a lot of stuff came out this week, and I'm not even going to get into the Star One album, which I'm still digesting. Uh, I, I sneak by, peek behind the curtain. Uh, we are recording this on, I guess, Thursday night. I got my hands on the Star One this morning, and I am loving it, uh, but I'll, I'll leave that aside. Uh, the new Amorphous album, Halo, I know you've had a chance to listen to that. I'm really impressed with that. I uh, I don't know, whereas the last Epic album really didn't strike that chord for me, this is more of the same from them, and I can't get enough of it. So I, I don't know, hypocrite if, hypocrite if I must, but this is really good. And, and in another direction, the new Eddie Vedder solo album I thought was really good and, and much heavier than any of his other solo albums. It reminded me of some of that early Pearl Jam stuff in spots with a number of cool guest spots by like Elton John and others. Just really, really interesting stuff there. I, did you have a chance to listen to that? Yeah, yeah, I liked it a lot. Um, definitely agree, especially since his first two solo albums were one was a soundtrack, which was mostly like, if not all, acoustic guitar. And then his second solo album was all ukulele. Um, so this is like kind of his first solo album that has some like electric guitars and just has some actual kind of like straightforward rock to it. Um, and some of the songs are definitely reminiscent of uh, some of the songs that he's written for Pearl Jam over the years. But I, I was surprised. I guess I just wasn't expecting it to be that style. And so it was a, it was definitely a pleasant surprise. And uh yeah, I agree with you too about the Amorphous album. I think I've only gotten the chance to listen to it once, but it was um, quite good. Um, and, and you turned that, me on to that bonus track. There's a Japanese bonus track, which is really, really awesome. And like, it makes me wonder why it didn't make the regular cut, because I think it's one of the best songs on the album. Yeah, I mean, it, it's similar. It kind of reminds me of, um, you know, Battle Beast, their most recent album. They have two bonus tracks that I think are really, really good. Like it's always interesting to me when um, these bonus tracks are bonus tracks and not part of the, the, you know, full length album, because most of the time um, here in the States, you know, if you're buying an album on iTunes or, or listening to it on Spotify, a lot of these songs are not included. So you kind of have to dig or import um, the Japanese versions of stuff. So, um, it's always interesting to hear these kind of extra tracks. It's funny to me that in this digital age that the uh, the bonus track is still a thing. Uh, yeah, with speak, everything being so widely is. distributed, you would think that it would just be like, here's the album, everybody gets it, whether you buy it on disc or whether you buy it digitally or listen to it on one of the you know major streaming platforms. It's 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 wild to me that there's still different versions for different regions, but alas... Here we are. Uh, and just one other thing I wanted to mention, um, a United States band called Vintersea. Uh, for some reason, I've been aware of this band for a little while. I had never known that they had a video um, for one of their songs on their last album called Spawn Awakening. Really cool video. I'll post it this week. Um, I, I have major expectations for this band in their next release. They're, they, they put out some pretty cool stuff, and I, I think that if you're a fan of um, – diverse music which borders on like operatic metal and black metal and everything in between they've kind of got it going on and they they do it well so uh, i'll post that video during the week just so people can kind of check these guys out because a little bit under the radar but i, I think they're about to explode very nice um a couple of new singles uh semblant has a new single called purified which is going to be on their upcoming vermilion eclipse album um good stuff um has a um kind of that kind of like an old this song kind of has like an old school nightwish kind of vibe where it has like the the operatic female vocals with 
of some of the growly or male vocals. Um, it's good stuff, kind of on the gothic side of things. But uh, I, I feel like this is kind of an under-the-radar kind of band. Um, so I'm looking forward to their next uh, full-length album. Um, another one that, thank, that you brought to my attention is a, uh, a band or person. I don't know. It's called Jabu. Uh, DJABU, um, they released <laughs> Djibou, uh, <laughs> from Djibouti. Um, they released an album called Master Quest, which is a bunch of uh rock slash metal covers of songs from the Legend of Zelda series. I, I highly recommend their cover of Dragon Roost Island, which is one of my favorite uh Zelda themes from over the years. Um, and, uh, another couple of singles that came out, um, Ronnie Atkins has a new album, uh, we mentioned called Make It Count. The title track was released, I believe today, actually. It's a really good tune, very 80s, has a very 80s style vibe to it, but it's uh, another really strong song. I'm really enjoying this solo material from, from Ronnie and, uh, and then the other one is uh, Sabaton released another single from their upcoming album, The War to End All Wars, and the song is called The Unkillable Soldier. And I got to say, like, so far, these singles that they've been dropping has gotten me really excited. And we talk about how we've kind of suffered from a little bit of uh, Sabaton uh, fatigue, I guess, no pun intended. Um, hmm. But I feel like this album so far, based on some of the tracks that have come out, um, it's and again, I, I've mentioned that I, I I do wonder how much influence Tommy Johansson is having on this band because they feel like there's definitely some more melodic elements that are starting to sneak their way into their sound. Um, and this song's no exception. Um, I'm pretty pumped. I'm looking forward to the to the full album. This is probably the first time I've looked forward to a Sabaton album in about. Well, probably since Art of War, I guess, was probably the last one that I really thoroughly enjoyed. Um, I haven't heard the new one. I'm looking forward – like this single, I haven't heard it. But um, I, I the, the other ones I did hear, I was really impressed by, and it, it, it was refreshing. And, and maybe I just needed some time apart, but now that uh, now that I've had that time apart, I'm really looking forward to, to this album and, quite frankly, seeing them live again, which I last time I saw them was actually opening for Creator. So you can imagine that was one hell of a tour. And I'm sure that uh, whatever they have in store for their next one won't be any different. So yeah. cool stuff. I, I, cool by stuff. the way, um, I, I also just one last thing. You uh, told me to check out a band called Degreed. Um, they have a new album called Are You Ready? I love this. I thought it was great. Just uh, good old-fashioned melodic hard rock slash metal um just a really good frontiers style album and uh that was a really good suggestion you're you're on a roll with suggestions because last week with eternal ascent and this week with degreed um i'm I'm liking it it's gonna be it's gonna be fun uh keeping the order of all these as the year kind of goes uh goes on so thank you for that after forcing you to listen to City for an entire week, I thought that that would have been a make good because it was you needed something to kind of contrast the uh, the album I chose. But the the reason I chose this album was really because of the 25th anniversary element. And my first exposure to Strapping Young Lad was well after they had stopped being a band. In fact, I had never really listened to them until Seventy Thousand Tons. Right, I was. I, I got into Devin Townsend years ago, and I and and I I remember how it happened. Uh, I was working in a retail establishment when I was in college, and somebody had come in that was a friend of somebody that worked there, and and the guy was in the music industry and listened to some of the crazy stuff that we listened to, and so when he found out that I was a fan of of you know certain metal bands or whatever, he then he came into the store like a, two days later and hands me a stack of promo CDs. And one of the CDs was Terrier by Devin Townsend. And I had never heard this guy. And this was just before uh, Prague Power uh, 2002, the first one we went to. So I had had some Devin exposure prior to the festival. I don't think anything would have prepared me for what that show was, but obviously his sound has evolved immensely over the last 20 years or so. But when I was on that boat, he had said prior to the to the cruise that he wanted to actually play some strapping young lad material because he had hadn't played it in fifteen years or whatever whatever. And I had no idea what to expect. And 
my head was blown off. As you can imagine, after listening to this album for a week, it is so intense and so powerful live that it forced me to go back and check out the albums. And this, I thought, was an appropriate one, being that many people actually consider it his greatest work with strapping, not to mention the fact that it you know, obviously is now celebrating a 25 year anniversary. So I was curious to hear your thoughts. I know you enjoy some of the newer Devin material, which by his own admission, isn't as wild as this stuff. And they ask him at 50, why are you not producing albums that sound like city? And the reality is, I think he'd be the first to say it. A, I don't do the drugs anymore. And B, I quite frankly, just can't. So like, here we are, Devin Townsend, Strapping Young Lad and City. Before we get into the album itself, had you ever heard a note from this band, or was this literally the first time you'd heard them? Uh, I, I know. I I think the song "Love" was pretty much the only song I was familiar with, uh, and that was from um, much later, um, like eight years after this, on that from the Alien album. Um, and and even then, I, I don't, I didn't really remember it. Um, so yeah, this was kind of like a this was kind of like a a, a first time experience definitely the first time listening to an entire album by this band start to finish and i uh i was kind of late to the devon townsend party um it was a little bit a little bit too a little bit too wacky for me when i first heard him going into that first prog power so like i was i was not interested and and i i remember thinking to myself like i'm gonna give this guy a chance and he just walked out on stage with a with a skullet and <laughs> like walked right up to the microphone and just said, I just farted. And I was like, I've got to go. And so it would be years later, I think, from watching the um, the Retinal Circus Blu-ray concert, um, it kind of brought me back to being like, wow, th- this this is uh, this guy's really got some some interesting and unique music um and 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 then i just kind of started to dig a bit more and and, you know buy his his new albums as they come out his his discography if you include strapping young lad is very very um overwhelming um there's like three versions of the devon townsend there's devon townsend there's the devon townsend band there's the devon townsend project there's strapping young lad there's so much stuff that he does i don't know what the difference is supposed to be uh, uh, with any of them. Um, maybe it has to do with who the band is that you work yeah, with. But like, it's, I, I wondered the same thing. And ironically, I found out about two years ago when the pandemic started, he actually put out a podcast where he did a basically an hour and a half or so history of each album that he recorded and he's still not done with it because he's taking breaks in between and stuff like that uh but he really went into depth as to who he was working with why certain projects were under certain monikers and 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 that kind of a thing and i'm not even going to paraphrase but you're right a lot of it was who he was working with what the label wanted to put out i mean it was a whole bunch of different things uh but what i'll say is when he was recording this album he was also recording Ocean Machine, which a lot of people say is his best, arguably, solo album. And and the irony is that album is heavy, but it's 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 pop rock compared to Strapping Young Lad, right? It's just so different. And and what he goes on to say is that while he's while he's in the studio recording Ocean Machine, he was getting so frustrated with the process that he needed to write these other songs kind of as an outlet for him for his creative process so he would go on and and while he's writing ocean machine he'd write all hail the new flesh and then he would get it out of his system go back to ocean machine he'd write a couple of songs for that and then he would come back to to and and write like home nucleonics which is just a bombastic crazy song in and of itself and then he would go back and forth so within short order he's writing both of these albums together and it's like almost watching a mad scientist at work because they are just so different but there are elements of each which are just brilliant. And I'm not going to suggest that they're my favorite albums, but there's elements here that I that I do really, really enjoy. And, and it's funny because I think you have to kind of be in the right mood for this stuff because there were times I listened to City this week and I'm like, this is the greatest thing I've ever heard. 
And then there were other times where I couldn't wait for the album to end. And I think it was just because of the mood I was in when I was listening to it. Um, when I was at the gym and I was lifting weights, it was fantastic. When I was a little bit stressed out at work and I had it on in the background, I had to turn it off at one point because I just couldn't concentrate. So it like, it, it serves a purpose, but it's unlike anything I think we've discussed to this point. I mean, we've discussed some heavy stuff, but this is just in a whole nother direction. Yeah, this is, woo. Um, you know, it's interesting, you know, you brought up the um, him going back and forth between this and Ocean Machine. And, it, you know, I know that um, Devin's like struggled with drug and alcohol use and, and, and um, you know, uh, uh, having issues with um, uh, depression and bipolar disorder. It's, it's interesting, like he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder a year after th- those two albums came out. So it's almost like there were two versions of him that like two super creative versions of him that like to make two albums that are, that are so well, uh, well appreciated in their individual genres, but by the, the, the same mind, it, it's, it's really an impressive thing. Um, it's I kind of like wish goes- I had gone back and, and listened to ocean machine in tandem with this, but uh, I just didn't, um, I didn't even think of it until now, honestly. Do, do yourself a favor listen to it this week. I think you're going to be very, very surprised by it. And we don't even have to talk about it, but I'm just do, do yourself a favor. If you've never heard that album or it's been a while, take a listen because I don't think I ever saw the brilliance until recently. I was always a fan of Terry and some of the stuff that came after it just because that's what was my first exposure. But then when I finally went back and I really dove into ocean machine, I, I actually think it's probably his most complete album. And, and to con- and contrast it with City is just like an exercise in and of itself, uh, as you can imagine. But uh, this, this is this, this is, you know, he he had a need, I, I think, and I think he basically gets into this on his podcast, and I sh- and I can't plug that enough. After you listen to us, and after you listen to the album, go check out his podcast because he what he says and the way he describes it is a thousand times better than I'll ever say because I'm paraphrasing, and there you're hearing it from the horse's mouth, but. The reality is, you know, he, he goes into a lot of the stuff that he was going through at the time and all the difficulties he was having. And, and you got to remember, this is on the heels of singing for Steve Vai. So, like, talk about three different animals. I mean, working for Steve Vai was a real different experience for him, apparently. And although he obviously learned a ton, I think it actually became made him quite angry and jaded at some of the stuff that was going on behind the scenes there. That's what he says. Uh, and it shows because this is the forget heavy. This is the angriest album I've ever heard in my life. And I say that bar none, the angriest album, but like there's a need for that kind of an outlet. And it's not like the cheesy black metal or death metal. This is just like almost industrial thrash. And it's unlike anything that I think, you know, a lot of people have heard because I I can understand why some people hate it. And I can understand why other people like thought this was the greatest thing they've ever heard in their lives. I think it really does check off a lot of boxes for a lot of people. I, I, the first time I listened to it, I, I thought I was going to hate it. Honestly, I I thought you were going to hate it too. And I'm curious to hear. Yeah. Just, I mean, like you said, like it's really dependent on your mood. And like, I listened to it while I was trying to get some work done and it like, all it did was just create like this scattered, um, like my brain waves just started scattering and like words were, were like the, the letters were scrambling. And I, I was like, Oh my God, I can't concentrate on what I'm doing while I'm listening to this. But um, as I got used to it, it almost became kind of like I was, I could listen to it and it just kind of existed in its own vacuum. And I could, I, I listened to it with um, I think with headphones on yesterday and like, I really let it get into my brain and uh, it's, it's really brilliant in, in, a lot in in certain ways like it it slowly grew on me i ended up enjoying it quite a bit um i didn't think i would i and like you said it's probably because i had never heard anything quite like this before while at the same time there's there's so many elements of what you hear from devon townsend even now that are in there and i mean and his like aggressive vocals are like not all that different from uh, some of the more aggressive songs that he that he does now, but the um, just the th- the just the thrashiness of the guitar work, um, and then just those like kind of like guttural um, like uh, those guttural like industrial 
riffs. I mean, it's just like it's really just this this marriage of of heaviness and and aggression. And there's a lot of things like ambient sounds and like piped in like spoken word parts and like it, it's almost like he's got 48 tracks going at the same time and it's just this wall of sound and I think that that's what a lot of people say and I'm sure he would say the same thing he wanted this to hit the user in the face or it would hit the listener in the face and that's what it does because like I said I, I, I hear elements of thrash no question I hear elements of later Devin Townsend Prague no question I hear a ton of industrial sounds no question. And like, it, it again, there are times that it, it, it shouldn't work, but somehow like, it's almost like a perfect recipe in spots that that's just unbelievable. And, and he even says, and, and like I said, listen to the podcast, but he even says this album is just full of happy accidents, like to, to steal like the Bob Ross quote. It's just one big happy accident. And yet, it's it's probably the only time you're going to hear one of us say the word happy for the during this. Yeah, that's for sure. He and, and and I'll just say one other thing. He said that Fear Factory, like that those early Fear Factory albums was a huge influence influence for him. He basically saw them live and then he's like I want to be the the wasp to the Fear Factory Motley Crew. Basically, he wanted to take that sound and just amp it up and that's what he did and and we might as well just get into it because there's there's no better time than with you know with that backdrop the the track that opens it is called velvet kevorkian and it is one of the most unique intros that i think you'll ever hear it starts with this like i don't know an electronic banging sound which almost sounds like i don't know a little bit different than uh the falconer sound from 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 you know, Forge of the Blacksmith. I mean, this is just this uh, this heavy electronic sound. And then it goes into one of the most heaviest riffs and screams that I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> and then you start hearing lasers and drones in the background. I, I don't know, really know what's going on here other than it's setting up one of the most epic tracks on the album, All Hail the New Flesh. Yeah, I mean, I feel like I'm taking a, a stroll through Devin Townsend's warped mind at this time. Like it, it's, it's so Devin though. Like I have to say, the intro is very Devin, and um, it's yeah. It, I think it's definitely. Um, I would imagine the band probably opened up some of their shows with this as like kind of an intro, just to get everybody kind of amped up, and then um, it, it, it it's kind of like this um, this like slow build into uh what would yeah like the, this first full length track where now all of a sudden it's like all right now we're time to get your socks blown off and I, I, sh I really would say that like if I had listened to this once I don't think I ever would have gone back to listen to it again like I think about like all right I get the point I don't need to listen to this again but the fact that I forced myself to listen to it a number of times I think it made me appreciate it more like some things you just kind of have to let them <laughs> marinate a little bit and, and and really let it sink in because uh, a lot of times just once is not enough to to get the, the the full point across i guess well like i said my my first exposure was was on that was on that cruise and they they played both of these songs about midway through the set and and just to kind of paint the picture i'm on top of a cruise ship i'm off the coast of mexico heading back to florida and the it's the night sky there's nothing around us for miles and miles and miles you can't see anything and then all of a sudden 
there's they, they break out Velvet Kevorkian into All Hail the New Flesh. And, and for those that have never heard the song, I'll do my best to describe it. This thing has an opening riff that's absolutely killer. And the other musician who just absolutely needs to be recognized is Gene Hoagland, the drummer on this thing. How he plays on this album is beyond me. You would think he's an octopus with some of the things that he's doing on this album, but he holds it together and he's one of the tightest drummers I've ever heard. He would later go on to play with Death and he would go on to play with Testament and I can see why. The guy is an absolute machine and his the way he hits these notes is ridiculous. This track, uh, you, you know from the lyrics, he is not happy and re- this is Heavy Devi at his finest. He's angry and and what I remember vividly about hearing this track live for the first time was that, and I think I had mentioned this months ago on the podcast, there was a guy in a wheelchair watching this set. They picked him up in the crowd and they're literally shaking the wheelchair back and forth. And this guy is going absolutely nuts in front of Devin Townsend. And like Devin, I thought was going to cry because he thought it was like the most beautiful scene in the world. And this guy was losing his mind to all hell, the new flesh, in the middle of the Atlantic while he's being propped up by a bunch of strangers in the wheelchair. It was like, it was a chilling moment. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. It's, it's totally, totally worth seeing because it like, it almost brings a tear to your eye. But uh, to be honest with you, there's no point uh, in like kind of beating around the bush. This is my song of the week. I think this track is fantastic. Uh, The, the pre-verse apparently was something he wrote with Steve Vai but just never made it onto a record. The verses are great. The chorus is awesome. And it's actually one of the more melodic tunes on the album, which is probably part of the reason that I, that I absolutely love it. This, this track is fantastic for me. Good choice. Um, I don't know that I'm not going to have much to add to a lot of these descriptions because it's just like, to me, it's just a lot of beautiful chaos for about 40 minutes. So like, um, I, I don't, I, I just started like recently almost kind of feeling like the the tracks were starting to set themselves apart from one another. So, um, man, I, I might've been, I might've been well served to listen to this two or three more times. And I, I listened to it five times. Um, it's, it's very, uh, for a short album, it's, it's got a lot of density to it. Um, but yeah, I, I ended up liking this song too. And, uh, it, it's, you know, I could definitely see, like, if you're just in, like, a crap mood, you just put this on, man, and it's like therapy. I completely agree. And the, and the irony is if you're in a great mood, you probably don't want to listen to this because <laughs> it, it may put you in a bad mood. It, it may have the opposite effect. It goes into another track. Oh, my fucking God. Like, this, this is maybe the heaviest song I've ever heard in my life. I mean, and, and I've heard a lot of heavy, heavy tracks. It starts with a spoken word intro and gives way to a drum solo. And at this point, the listener probably has no idea what's going to happen. And sure enough, the guitars and the vocals kick in and the speed at which they play and the anger in Devin's voice is like second to none. I think there was a band that came out like not that long ago with an album. And I think the band was called Lorna Sue or something like that, if I'm not mistaken. Or I may have the name of the band wrong, but they like there are these guttural growls and the speed at which he almost raps the, the vocals during this song. It's like demon rap. I, I don't know how else to describe <laughs> it. Uh, but like there were times where I just couldn't take this song and I was so happy that it was only three and a half minutes and then there were other times where I'm like, this is this is beautiful. I think you just have to be in the right mood. The main riff to me sounded just like Pantera. And I'm, I was never a Pantera fan, but I can so hear the Pantera vibe. And believe it or not, the entire song was written in 15 minutes by Devin and Hoagland together. It was the first song they ever wrote. Well, it's aptly named. Um, <laughs> it kind of reminds me of um, Lucan by Pearl Jam, but just like on on steroids, steroids. Laced with, with crack. Um, <laughs> um, oh my god, what was I gonna? I was gonna say something about this song. Um, uh, oh yes, that's it. Um, this song is what before I started listening to metal, I probably thought metal was was this song. Like this is the definition of like this is why I don't listen to heavy metal because it's 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 scary. It's just scary 
like demonic insanity and uh, <laughs> that's what this song is there's yeah. no doubt about it and then it took me it took me 25 years of listening to metal to discover what i thought metal was <laughs> <laughs> well congratulations you finally found it um it is just a brutal track it, it is widely regarded by like fans of the band as one of their favorites i'm not sure that oh, it's one the, of the, mine. the part the part towards the end where he's just like he's <laughs> <laughs> killing me that was a great impression. I think I'm going to have you do that again. Um, it I'm just going to in- sing every week. That's going to be the new hook <laughs> at the podcast. We, we've gotten positive feedback about that. I'm not going to lie. But um, the, the next track is called Detox, and I think it's aptly named for, for kind of what Devin was going through at the time. Um, shocking, another heavy riff that starts the song. I found this one to be a touch repetitive, but the drumming was just absolutely outstanding and kind of kept this thing from going off the rails. There's another section towards the end, right before the instrumental section. I'm not sure if you call it a bridge. I don't really know what you call it, but that to me was the best part of the song. And, and even the instrumental section here really, really grew on me. Um, but but to be honest with you, it's almost a ballad when you compare it to the <laughs> next track because it, it, somehow it gets heavier and crazier. And, and let me take a step back. You know, we always talk about, oh, where's the ballad on this album? Spoiler, there are no ballads on City. It just is one heavy track after another, and it just presents itself in different ways. Whereas Detox is a touch slower, Home Nucleonics is like a brutal assault on the senses. But before we get there, any thoughts on Detox, or did I kind of hit the nail on the head? No, I like I like the um, I like the way that it opens. I mean, listen, I, I'm no expert when it comes to thrash metal, but like that opening riff. Um, and just the song just gets starts with like this this thrashy riff with Devin screaming about God knows what. Um, it, I just think it, it's I think it it hooks you in right away. Like the beginning of the song, it's it's I like how it starts like that. Um, as as a uh, a fan of thrash metal, but like I said, uh, no expert. Um, I thought that was kind of a cool way to to start the song, and yeah, it, it's. Uh, it's so odd to call this one one of the softer tunes on the album, but yeah, I guess uh, I guess that's a fair assessment. The it's 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 the change of pace, even though it's brutal. The home nucleonics is two minutes and thirty one seconds of just like a nuclear explosion, and ironically, that was kind of what I thought of. And he confirms it on the podcast. He tries he tries to cram about seven hundred and forty two different things into two minutes and thirty one seconds. Um, this was the song that I actually had to turn off when I was working. I could not get anything <laughs> done. For, I, I couldn't do it. It's got cool sound effects throughout, but like. This is angry, angry stuff. And and believe it or not, this was the first song that he wrote when he was working with Steve Vai. He did a demo for this track, or what would ultimately come, uh, Home Nucleonics. This this is um, this this is an acquired taste. This one, even for me, this is a brutal, brutal song. This is a great song. If you need somebody to leave the room, you just put this on. <laughs> I guarantee you, they're gonna not, they're just gonna walk away. Like. Yeah, I, n- no question about it. The, the <laughs> next track is called Triple A, and not to be confused with the Mexican wrestling. Uh, I, I know the joke is coming, so I'll just put it out there for you. <laughs> Th- this this actually starts with some really interesting guitar picking, which is not something you hear on many many albums, and the vocals kind of come in at like a whispers pace, and then it provides a nice contrast to everything you've heard before it, but then the drums kick in the real vocals cut kick in. And then all of a sudden you think you're listening to Marilyn Manson, which is kind of weird. It's, it's very heavy, but it's not a thousand miles an hour, like the song before it. And again, you're not getting a ballad. So this is about as good as it gets. And I think that the chorus on this one is actually really, really catchy. It almost reminds me as like a precursor, like new metal. It's a very, very groovy tune and a nice change of pace. And I, have a feeling you probably like this one quite a bit. I did. I did. I, I, I agree with um, L Dandy. Uh, this is one <laughs> of my favorite songs about AAA. Um, I, I believe, uh, I believe it. Vampiro was not as big of a fan of this song, but L Dandy and, um, and Silver King uh, both <laughs> would agree that this is probably one of the better songs uh, on the album um, that are about AAA. Uh, I'm waiting for the EMLL sequel uh, from Devin, uh, if he even knows what's happening. Um, but yeah, I agree with you. I like I like the chorus. It's it's definitely 
I mean, uh, it's it's probably one of the more accessible songs on the album. Um, Definitely. There's, I would actually say, actual singing involved in certain parts where it's not just all Devin just screaming. Which, by the way, like, I've gotten so used to that kind of Devin Townsend, like, scream sing that I've actually learned to, to quite enjoy it now. Like, I, I'm glad that I was... I knew enough about Devin Townsend before I listened to this because if I just listened to this with no no clue about him or anything else, I, I think I would have been even more jarred than I was. But um, this was good too, and I think there's def- more so than most of the tracks on the album, this has kind of, I feel like, um, a germ of what would, what would come in, in the later Devin Townsend solo stuff. Yeah, I, I agree. Um, this is a really good track and, and one of my favorites. Um, well said, well is said. Is it AAA or is it ah? <laughs> it depends on his mood, I think. But uh, no, it's AAA. I, apparently, it was the way he tuned his guitar or something like that. So he called it AAA. And I, I guess the working title became the actual title when it was all said and done. That's also how Viano 4 would tune his <laughs> guitar. So <laughs> That's right. Uh, that's exactly right. The, the, the next one is called Underneath the Waves. And this one is weird because the beginning riff and drums actually sound like blind guardian to me. The song sounds nothing <laughs> like blind guardian, but the beginning sounds like something off of like imaginations from the other side. I am not a huge fan of the verses on this one. I thought that they were kind of annoying and over the top. Um, it was actually funny because I love this song when I first heard it, but then the more I listened to it, the more I didn't like it, which I thought was, it's not usually what happens. Usually I kind of like it more and more, but this one I kind of drifted away from as the week went on. I thought there were cool keyboards here that kind of did like these ambient things towards the end. But to me, I think that this one would have been better served live. I don't know. Not sure why I think that, but uh, that's, that's the one, how I feel about this one. Any thoughts? I, this made me think of extreme system of a down, like yeah, okay. it reminded me of a system of a down song, but just like a little bit amped up. Um, that was kind of the vibe that I got from it. I can, I can actually hear that. I, I can totally hear that. The The next song is called Room 429, and this is actually a cover by a band called Cop Shoot Cop. I don't know anything about the band. I think they might be a Canadian band, but I definitely could be wrong about that. This one is a real outlier. It is kind of, again, it's not a ballad, but it's not fast. It almost sounds like a horror film soundtrack, like something you would hear on like Rob Zombie or something like that. And it actually tells like a kind of a spooky story and if nothing else, what I learned was, A, it's an oddly catchy song. B, if I want to listen to King Diamond or Carrick Angren, which is, a, again, kind of drift off in that horror realm, this fits in nicely. And C, if I ever stay in a hotel and they issue me room 429, I'm running the other way because I'm not going <laughs> to that room. Um, I didn't realize until just a little while ago that this was a cover, but it, it did stick out to me that it didn't really kind of it fits, but at the same time, it doesn't. Um, I actually really like this. I thought um, you might. Yeah, just because um, it's just kind of got like this uh, this kind of like like grungy kind of uh, like a grungy thrashy mid tempo kind of. Uh, I don't know. It's just it, it almost has a melody to it, <laughs> like in a weird kind of like growly kind of Devin Townsend sort of way. Um, no, it's a cool uh, song, and like I don't know where he picked this on for a cover, but like it's a really cool track. I like it a lot myself. That, so, so apparently, um, Cop Shoot Cop was a noise rock band from New York City, and they were founded in 1987. So that is where they are from. I don't know where the hell uh, Devin Devin Townsend found uh, figured this one out, but um, <laughs> yeah, uh, I I. I I think it's kind of cool. Um, I, I I think I'm going to make it my track of the week just because it's, like uh, it. it's it's different.
on an album full of different sounding songs, this one is especially different, probably <laughs> because it's a cover, but uh, I just thought it was really cool. And, and um, it, even though it doesn't sound like the first bunch of songs, I still think it fits on this album of, of wacky, just like scary ass wackiness that's just going on. This, um, this was a, you know, leave it to Devin to just throw in this wacky cover on an album of wackiness. But like I said, it's, it's Devin and he makes it work. The last track is called Spirituality. And this one is kind of a fitting way to end it. It, it, for a while, I thought it was going to be like a, um, an instrumental track, but there, there are vocals, uh, you know, about midway through the song. It's very industrial sounding, almost like a ministry type of band or something like that. And the whole time I'm listening to it, especially the first time through, I kept saying to myself, where is this going? Because for the first two and a half minutes, I had no idea what this was going to be. And then it goes from slow and plodding to heavy, and then it really starts to kick in. Um, the droning sound kind of stops, and it really just kind of kicks into high gear. Uh, kind of a fitting end to this like mind fuck of an album. I, I didn't love this song, but I didn't hate it either. It's just like, what would you say about city? This is a fitting end to, to, to whatever this is for 39 minutes. Yeah. I, I mean, it definitely has that, uh, that modern Devin Townsend kind of orchestration thing going on. Like that kind of like, I mean, cacophony of nonsense. Like, but I mean that in like the nicest, the nicest way. way. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like it, it's just, uh, I mean, man, this album was just unlike anything I've ever listened to before. I I was, I thought I was going to be mad at you for picking it, but I ended up kind of liking it. It, it was, uh, it was interesting. And, and I just feel like it was just another, um, another, another way to open up my, uh, my mind to, to something a little bit different. And, and I'm not going to lie, like if I saw Devin Townsend live and, he busted out like one or two of these songs. I'd probably be pretty pumped about it. I, uh, that, that's how I felt. And, and, you know, on that cruise, he wound it up, he wound it up. Yeah, I can speak that he wound up playing <laughs> Jular, which is a song he did with Isan. So all of a sudden he's, he breaks into that and Isan comes out and plays with him. And it was just like one of the coolest well, things I've a, ever seen. There's a duo. <laughs> it, it was, it was, it was something, and I'm really, really glad I got to see that. So you can imagine when they go from Velvet Kevorkian into All Hail the New Flesh into Jular with Devin Townsend, that's when I basically was like I became a strapping young lad fan right, right then and there just because it was one of the coolest things I had ever – the progression of that with the guy in the wheelchair was like the coolest thing I had ever seen. So um, cool stuff. I have to ask you, I, I, the first time you heard it, what was your score for this album and then – What's your score for the album now? I want to see how much it changed. Was it a two <laughs> you know, or a three? I, I didn't. I didn't really think about it, but I guess I would probably say it was like I don't know, maybe like a, like around a four, four point five. I guess when I first heard it, and I'll be honest, like I was in the middle of, of being swamped, so it was just not a good. Uh, wasn't a good time for me to be listening to something like this. Um, but once I got into the right kind of headspace. Um, I really did end up appreciating a lot more and it, it would end up being, I, I would probably just give it a, a solid 7.0. Like um, I think that if I like spent more time with it and it, it developed some sort of no, nostalgia, cause man, this album came out the same year I started listening to metal um, and I wasn't aware of it until this week. So, I mean, I imagine that this must carry a lot of nostalgia value for anybody who listened to it at the time. Um, but uh, I would say, like, if you, if you had told me that the, on Monday that this album was going to get a seven from me, I wouldn't have believed you. But uh, sure enough, it ended up being rather enjoyable and still better than the Anthrax album. We talked about. <laughs> well, we, somebody has to take up the rear. So I'm glad that they're still, you know, holding their rightful spot as the only band that I don't think cracked a five, but that's okay. I, that's okay. Um, I, I'm glad you liked it. I'm glad that it improved and I'm glad that it'll open you up to some of that other strapping stuff. And, and quite frankly, some of his other solo stuff, right? Because t to your point from earlier, 
the discography is massive and it's almost overwhelming how much stuff this man has put out over the course of the last 25 years. Heck, we should do the Steve Vai album that he sings on one of these days just because that's a whole nother trip in another direction, as you can Oh, imagine. don't worry. Next week we're going to do Punky Brewster Cooked on Phonics, so <laughs> yeah. don't, don't you worry. I have it, so I'm looking forward to listening to it again, <laughs> but uh, I, I, I digress. This is a 7.5 for me. I think that there are times that, again, that I probably would have made it an 8 or an 8.25 at points and there were times where I probably would have made it a four myself just because I was not in the right headspace for it. But um overall it's something I'll go back to because I there were parts of this that I thoroughly enjoyed and I'm glad I kinda listened to it uh on repeat this week. I wanna hear what you're gonna do for next week, uh and then we'll maybe I don't know. Well, I guess we won't reveal the the surprise album for the week after based on the request, but we got a nice request lined up for the first week in March. And then I think we're going to do something a little special the week after that, but we'll, we'll get there. Uh, just a couple of news items that I think are worth uh, worth mentioning. Uh, new Journey album uh, entitled Freedom due out later this year. It looks like it's going to be about 15 tracks. Uh, I, I have not followed this band in its like latest incarnation with their new singer and whatnot, but I'm curious to hear the new singles that have been, I guess, slowly starting to come out or what have you. So... Freedom comes out uh, later this year. That's one thing. And that's, um, you know, I, for, for a lot of people, when they hear New Journey, they get excited. And then the other thing, which you had sent me, and I'm still not sure what I heard, Dave Grohl from the Foo Fighters. And I should add, I actually just read his autobiography, which is kind of like very timely because I knew he was into metal. I didn't re- realize that he had actually recorded an entire metal album, which looks like it's going to see the light of day. Yeah. Um, we got a uh, we got a song called March of the Insane, uh, which the timing of this song coming out on a week where we listen to the the city album, it it makes a lot of sense because this is fr- is friggin' raw and heavy. Um, I believe that the band is called Dream Widow. Um, it's it's so like I feel like this was like something that Dave Grohl has wanted to put out there for so long because he he definitely is I don't know if I would even call him a closet metalhead because I don't think he's been too he gets closeted into this, about it. He gets into the he gets into this in the book. He, before before there was Nirvana, he was a big punk fan and he was a big metal fan. And I don't think it was like Def Leppard metal. I think it was, you know, maybe King Diamond metal and God only knows what else and he doesn't really get into names so much. But uh, I know he was friends with Lemmy from Motorhead and, and a slew there's of other musicians. There's definitely a Motorhead vibe to the song. Yep, and that and and it's clear, and that's why I mention it. I think it would be fun to actually do this album when it comes out because God only knows what it's going to be. And uh, as well, a Dave, not- Dave has said, he would do the podcast. So yeah, I'm, well, that's it, it, that's <laughs> nice of him to stop by. I'm uh, th- this may be the best forum for him to do uh, a kind of discussion on this album, but. Uh, yeah, March of the Insane. I'm gonna have to post this this week. It's 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 something else and far cry. You know from what's fun- you know what's funny? I um when I heard it, I was like, oh my god, I need to get this. So <laughs> I typed Foo Fighters into iTunes. I'm like, oh, I guess it's not out yet. I, I thought it was a Foo Fighters song. It's actually under the name Dream Widow, and I just uh, I just found it. You can get the the single on on iTunes, and I'm sure it's on Spotify as well. But um. Yeah, the song's called March of the Insane, the band's called Dream Widow, and yeah, we will post it. It's uh it's really cool. Like I definitely am looking forward to hearing more of, of this kind of style from our, our good friend uh Dave Grohl, who uh I, yeah. is gonna definitely be on the podcast. <laughs> no pressure, Dave. Um what are we listening to next week? I'm very curious. I feel like uh, you haven't chosen one in a while. Yeah, it feels that way. Um I guess Vision Divine was, I think, the last one That's right. that I chose. Um, I want to go, you know, I, I had mentioned um, when we did Falconer, like, I can't believe how long it's taken us to get to a Falconer album. Well, here's another band I can't believe it's taken us this long to get to. Camelot. And uh, mm. it's been, what are we, this is going to be, this will be episode 82 next, next week. So, um... I want to talk about the the, the Karma album uh, from 2001, and, and um, I had kind of a, a hard time choosing an album, 
from from Camelot. Just I thought you were going to go Dominion. I got to be honest. I thought we were going back to '97 again, but <laughs> yeah. I, this is a I surprise. Mean, they have a lot of albums, and um, you know, there's two albums that they did before Roy Khan would join the band. There's one album they did when he joined the band that came out the, the same year that Conceptions. Flow album came out, so Roy just jumped right in. Um, and I think that that album, Siege Perilous, doesn't get talked about um, quite a lot. Fourth Legacy was my first Camelot album, and that's kind of what turned me on to the band, and I think that I, I would call that their breakout album. Um, Tom Youngblood might not agree, but <laughs> I, I think it was. Um, I agree. I definitely I, agree. I, I personally think that I don't know if I want to say it's it's the best Camelot album of all time, but it's definitely, I think it's definitely one of their three best albums. Um, maybe maybe one of their best two. Maybe their best. Um, it's usually between this and Fourth Legacy and Black Halo for me. Those are my three favorite uh, Camelot albums. I can never get into Epica for whatever reason. I know so many really? people love, love that album. And for whatever reason, I get lost after center of the universe i i just i i don't know what it is there's such a weird disconnect for me maybe in the in retrospect that's what i should have chosen but i want to go with karma just because um i have such a this album just has a lot of really good memories for me i was um i was in college when it came out and there's a and i remember i played a lot of songs from this album on the radio show that i had in college and uh I remember my friend Knops really enjoyed Camelot, and he would he would actually ask me to play songs from this album on, on the air. So, um, and I, I spoke to our friend Mike Craya this week, and he I said, "Do you have a favorite Camelot album?" He was like, "Easy Karma." So, I, I think all those those things considered, uh, that it's it's uh, that's the one I want to go with. I'm sure we will definitely be revisiting this band at some point. They have such a fascinating. Uh, history especially when it comes to to vocalists but um i i just think that this is kind of like like prime era roy khan um and some of like just i think camelot's most um melodic kind of songwriting um i mean i know i know that they kind of are starting to leave some of this stuff in the in behind and the more new the more new material comes out the more these kind of uh songs kind of get left left on the back burner when it comes to you know putting together a a live set and i i feel like i don't even remember the last time they played anything from fourth legacy um you know i digress i'm talking a lot about stuff we'll talk about next week but uh to sum it up, yes, we're going to do Karma by Camelot. <laughs> I like it. I, I, I'm surprised it's been this long. I know I say that a lot, but I think that's just a testament to how much uh, stuff is out there. So Camelot's Karma, it is. We'll get back to you next week uh, with that. And then uh, a special uh, request album for the first week in March, as I, as I had mentioned earlier. Uh, something that I'm particularly looking forward to because it's something I've never heard before. So I'm going to... Save that and let that marinate for a bit. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you next week with um, some classic Camelot material. Take it easy, bud. I'll talk to you soon. All righty, buddy. Take care. Strapping young lad rocks my hairy anus.